We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madison. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee and our favorite cast member, Nick Wagner, who gets a mention, I think, on every podcast we do. It's kind of become a bit, but not really. He's just very good at his job, so it comes up a lot. He'll be joining us to talk about quarterbacks and socks and whatever else we get into uh, with with the 49ers. Lots of uniform takes coming, though, for sure. When to go for two and when not. It's just going to be a just a, a haphazard football conversation. I can't wait. I'm doing this intro at the top, so this isn't like we had the conversation. I'm doing the intro after, so I genuinely don't know exactly what we're going to get into. We're just going to have a good time doing it. And we're sponsored by Cooper's Brewing. You can visit the brewery in Santa Rosa, or you can order beer by the case at cooper.com. Got to be 21 or over, and you must be in California, but they would deliver beer right to your door next day shipping. It's the best way to buy beer from the best place to buy beer, Cooperage, Cooperage Brewing. All right, let's do shenanigans. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Hey guys, are, are we actually gonna gonna have the sock conversation again? Probably. Okay. Like it's inevitable. Let's save that, that for the up. end. Let's push that one all the way. Back. Multicolored socks, stripes, yada yada yada. You get it. Okay. Hey Nick, it, Kyle, Kyle, you made it sound like this is like some sort of like choose your own adventure. Like we should just record like eighteen different topics and then let the listeners somehow like choose the direction they want to go to. Just like that, all right, we're gonna talk quarterbacks next. To right. hear about Jimmy Garoppolo, fast forward to two <laughs> minutes and 48 seconds. I think I stole Brock that Purdy. idea from Tom Hanks' character in Big when he worked for the Toy Story. His comic book idea was choose your own, you know, like, what if you go this way? You could do this. That's that might be that might be the next breakthrough in podcasting. Like clicking on an episode and then having different segments with like little buttons you can hit on your phone and just I can't believe we right to that, gave that idea away for free. Yeah. Hey, Tyler, edit this podcast like that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Let's such a pain in the right ass to figure <laughs> out. Oh my god. I already hate the idea of doing that. 
we're not going to do that though. We're going to talk about uh, the 49ers. We're going to talk about, I guess we have to talk about Brock Purdy first, right? Yeah. Nick, it seems is... like a logical starting point. Nick, Brock Purdy, your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I just wonder. <laughs> Tell us about size, Brock Purdy. <laughs> what size is his gold jacket supposed to be is what is my biggest question. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't, that you didn't really ask me a question. So I don't know. So, don't know okay. What, I'll ask that, you a question. How sustainable, how sustainable is this winning football? The 49ers are playing with third string quarterback Brock Purdy in your estimation. I think it's very sustainable, but I look, everyone wants to make the, the big leap right now too. And I know you guys talked about this the other day and I agreed with a lot of what you were saying, especially Kyle, uh, just talking, <laughs> about the, talking about the idea of what, well, you know, what, what happens next year? Who's the quarterback in 2023. And if you go back like three weeks, these same conversations were happening about Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, what are you, how are they going to keep Jimmy? What are they going to do with Jimmy? And the thing I kept saying was, well, what if Jimmy gets hurt again? Cause that's kind of been the problem with Jimmy. And then he did, and I'm not taking a victory lap on that by any means because it's unfortunate, but I think that there's just so much left to play out here that it's impossible to say what is going to happen beyond this year. But in the here and the now, in evaluating Brock Purdy on what we've seen and what where it could go this season, I don't think you could be anything but impressed and, and think that it's realistic for him to at least somewhat stay at this level. There's going to be – more tests coming on like that's how I look at it right now is is it's been a series of tests and he's passed each of them and passed them did more than pass you could say got a good grade like an A in most of those situations but there's going to be more things thrown on him and I was looking at some stuff the other day because when I watched the Seattle game back I was like man these guys didn't blitz him hardly at all and Miami and Tampa blitz the crap out of them especially Miami with all the zero blitzes that they were running and I think I think it was, you know, Tampa and Miami were both in the mid 30 percent range uh, in blitzes and against Seattle, it was like seven percent. So they didn't blitz him. So how could he hold up when it's OK, you've got to read coverage, get through your progressions and go to the right guy. And he had the ball longer in his hands, which is a, a tribute to the offensive line doing a good job against the Seattle front four. But he had a good game. He did it again. So that's another thing. Because I like the, as the as defensive coordinators get more tape on him, they're going to challenge him in different ways. And to see him do that in that game with the with the bad rib and the bad oblique and the the you know conditions there, the environment there, and a game with the division on the line and prime time on a short. I mean, all those different things that factored into that. Um, I think it was the most encouraging performance yet, even if it wasn't his best one necessarily. The Tampa one was so good, but just given everything that went into it, I thought is it was his best. And look, there's a little element here too of like everything he touches is turning to gold. Where like you know the first game he throws the pick and it was basically an arm punt. It was better than an incompletion. The second game he audibles into the wrong thing and it should be a nine yard loss. Instead it's a 15 yard penalty. And so it's plus 24 there. Uh, and then the other night when he throws the one right to digs and digs drop. So, so there's some, some beginner's luck or something like that that's going on here. But I think on the, on the large part of this, he is playing very well. And I haven't seen anything that makes me think he can't keep doing it. And I think the most surprising thing guys is he is making plays. He's not just mm -hmm. making a game. He's not, just not screwing it up he is doing those things but he's giving you that little bit of extra and if he can do that in the postseason it's a whole different ball game because we haven't seen this version of the 49ers even dating to 2019 with good quarterback play in the postseason and so that's obviously the biggest test 
But as we sit here right now, I definitely think it's sustainable throughout the year. The question will be, can that playoff pressure bust those pipes, for lack of a better term? How yeah, much? That was my... Oh, go ahead. No, you. So you've tweeted out a, a lot of different Christian McCaffrey stats over over the last few weeks. In some, the Niners are basically scoring a touchdown more a game. Um, he's, I think, he's leading all running backs in in receptions and has been one of frankly, the best running backs in the league since coming to the 49ers. Um, based on the numbers you've seen and and all the information you've been gathering and reporting you've been doing, can you quantify for us what Christian McCaffrey's addition has meant to the 49ers offense within the context of Brock Purdy's uh, uh, emergence here? Yeah, I think I, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to cheat plug myself. I have a big story coming out. When this comes out, big piece? My, my story will be on ESPN. Yeah, hashtag big piece. With the, God, I hope I get a full uh, link. But on Christian, just on the kind of the profound impact Christian McCaffrey has had on the offense. And I, I even put a, a table in there, a chart in there of, you know, pre McCaffrey as the starter. And since McCaffrey became the starter, and I kind of threw out the Chiefs game because, you know, it was a the limited sample and also it hurts my argument so he was so there's there seven and oh with him as the starter I don't, I don't want to put a blemish on there but uh no I, I think I think it's you can draw a straight line from you know Christian McCaffrey becoming the guy the focal point of the offense and a huge part of it to the 49ers success and it it's a, it, it's in a few ways one to your point on Purdy when you have that guy who can be a threat as a pass catcher and can be a threat as a runner and I think what you're seeing now he's He's really, especially in the run game, it's starting to come for him because uh, he he was the first one to admit the first few weeks, like, man, I'm missing I'm missing some reads. I'm leaving some yards out there, especially on outside zone stuff. Um, I got to get better in that. But he's he's starting to find that. He definitely did that against Seattle and Tampa the last couple of weeks, um, but also just the pass catching threat, which is, you know, I've said it so many times where you see him, you know, it's third and seven or whatever and a throw that you might be three yards short of the sticks and like, yeah, well, we're going to punt. Okay, fine. But he makes the first guy miss and he gets a first down. I think he's second in first downs gained since he's become the 49ers starter. Only Josh Jacobs, I think, has more uh, in that time. Just to give you an example, if you look at EPA, which kind of measures impact per play, they're they're like, they're basically a top five offense now. And, and, and that's, that's the huge difference. And, and the trickle down of that is, you know, the Niners talk about it all the time. It's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. It's complimentary football, right? Like if the defense gets a stop or gets a turnover, the offense needs to turn that into a point. Special teams needs to do its job, blah, 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 blah. But they're doing that. Like they weren't doing that early in the year. And that's why you've seen a lot of wins, but not just wins, but comfortable wins. Like you're not even – even Seattle the other night, like granted it was a one-possession game at the end. I don't think they – you correct me if I'm wrong, they didn't have the ball with a chance to tie it ever. Correct. Yeah, so like yeah. – to me, that's not a close game. A close game is is there was a moment in the fourth quarter where the other team had a chance to at least tie the game, and that didn't happen, and that hasn't happened, I think, other than the Chargers game in this win streak. So um, all of those things, I think it is it is really uh, – John Lynch referred to him as a force multiplier uh, when, they acquired, when they acquired Christian McCaffrey, and he has been that. And I think he's maybe even exceeded expectations. Uh, we knew he was a really good player, and a lot of it was health-related, but – I think he has really taken them to another level that has elevated not just the offense, but the whole team because of what it does for the offense. I was a little bit skeptical when they made the deal. Like, yeah. like I was on board, like I got the idea, like you yep. want to add good players, but it's like, man, the money and the injury yep. stuff and all the picks, yep. but it, 
the impact he's had, it's it's a it's a no brainer. Had I known, have you told had you told me when yeah. they made this deal, hey, this is the impact he's gonna have, it would have it would have not even been a question. Like yeah. forget the running backs don't matter thing. Like he's just such an offensive playmaker that I'm of the mind that I think it has allowed them to survive without Debo Samuel in a way that they have not been able to in the past. It's it's funny you say that, Kyle, because like, I'm the same as you. I'm not going to revise history and act like I'm be a hypocrite about this. And I didn't say I didn't think it was a bad deal. I just I understood the reasons, but I thought it was a risky deal because sure. of all the things you just said. But I was talking to John Lynch a couple weeks ago, and I said, you know, when you made the deal, when you made the deal for Christian McCaffrey, like, did you feel was it about him? Did you feel like you needed a running back? Did you feel like what what exactly was it? And his his response was basically like, we needed someone who we thought could raise all ships essentially. Right. And, and you don't think of a running back that way, but mm-hmm. it also, that's my fault. That's our fault for thinking of him as just a running back. And, and you know, like, and I'm not saying like, I don't know that he's not, he's capable of doing what he does as a pass catcher. He catches but, passes too. Right, of course, of course. <laughs> like we know that, but you don't think of anyone, but a quarterback being able to elevate an offense really. Right. Because the quarterback touches the ball on every play where running back, even if he's getting a heavy workload, doesn't do that. But because of what he can do, because of where they can line him up, because of the ways they can get the ball in his hands, even just like the, the other night. Uh, and this is one of the things that appears in my story, but like the gravity we talk about with Steph Curry, right? Like the gravity of Steph Curry, you know, that second George Kittle touchdown, George Kittle's the fourth read on that play. And if you watch it back, Christian McCaffrey, that play is designed to go to Christian McCaffrey in the left flat with Kyle Juszczyk in front of him as a blocker. When when McCaffrey runs out to the left flat, Brock Purdy looks over there. There are three Seahawks defenders that all just start running right at Christian <laughs> McCaffrey, including Jordan Brooks. And you can see like that, you know, what's what's like the narrator thing where it's like uh, it was at this yeah, point that's I, knew I, was, I was screwed or whatever. Yeah. Like you can see on Jordan Brooks' face where it's like he realizes George Kittle's over his head. And this thing's about to go for a touchdown. And again, it, that's the thing where it's like, even on a play where he didn't touch the ball, he just created another big play for someone else. And oh, by the way, 49ers have other really good players. So, you know, Brock Purdy in that situation isn't just throwing it to Joe Schmo, who might catch it for a 30 yard gain. He's throwing it to George Kittle, who's going to make a couple guys miss. And they're not going to, they're going to be a couple business decisions and he's going to score a 54 yard touchdown. That, I don't think we talked about this on the pod, that tackle attempt by 57. A uh, Barton, Cody Barton, I think his name is Seahawks linebacker, was pathetic. Holy cow! Yeah, they, that they, was really bad. As the kids would say, <laughs> they were not interested in making a smoke investment in that particular <laughs> situation. <No. laughs> Just firmly outside of his Duffy in that moment. <laughs> um. So we we've talked a little bit, maybe not so much recently, about the 49ers defense, and and maybe coming into the year we we'd asked if it could be as good as the 2019 defense. Um, I think the numbers would indicate that it that it can be at that level. Maybe there are some numbers that indicate that it's better mm-hmm. than that level. I, I think like from the eye test, it doesn't feel like it's quite at that level just yet because um, just like looking at the talent, right? Like having DeForest Buckner on that defensive line, um, yep. you know, I, I think the secondary is probably a little bit better, but I, I do think, I still would feel better about the secondary had Jimmy Ward been playing free safety. But do you think the defense can be good enough to elevate the 49ers, like 
what whatever shortcomings they might have in the in the postseason because it probably is not going to be this easy for Brock Purdy in the postseason. Do you think the yeah. defense can can elevate the 49ers as a whole in the same way that it did in 2019 when it went to the Super Bowl? I, I I'll start. I'll use the comparison until 2021 because I think that's a maybe even more apt. Like the defense did most of the heavy lifting in last playoffs. We would agree on that, right? And and you know they came up short in the NFC Championship, but I think they're better than 2021 and probably to your point, not quite as good as 2019, especially up front, the front four. Although I will say. I think their linebacking their linebacker play is the best in the league and it's better than it was in 2019. Like Drake, that's not a knock on rookie Drake Greenlaw. It's a compliment to current Drake Greenlaw, who is playing at an absolutely elite level. And Aziz Alshire is playing well too. But um that I think that is the big the big thing that sets this defense apart is the linebacker group. And I think a lot of that will then become matchup dependent. But they're so banged up on the interior of the defensive line. Like, that's a big question. Having Eric Armstead back is massive for them. I think we all know the impact he makes, even if it doesn't show up statistically all the time. Um, but, yeah, I do think they are, I do think they are good enough um, to, to, again, be kind of capable of keeping teams in that, you know, 13 to 20-point range, which should, in theory, be enough to win, uh, win playoff games. And um, I don't think, especially if you look at the, the NFC, um, I just don't see that team that you like, oh, that team looks like a team that's ready to come in here and put 35 on their heads. Uh, mm-hmm. Philadelphia is the is the one team that I think would be the biggest challenge for them. But even Dallas, who is a good team, but you know, I, I don't think their offense is necessarily built to score a bunch of points. It's basically the same offense they just played in, in January last yeah. year. So that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with it. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's a fair question. It's a fair point. Like, is this defense built in a way that they could carry the freight? Yeah, I think they. I think they are. Uh, maybe just not quite as dominant as 2019, but um, so much of that can be matchup dependent too. But if they're a little bit better than they were last year, and you get a little bit better quarterback play than what they got from a banged up Jimmy Garoppolo last year, and this year they won't be going on the road right away. Like, there's a lot of signs pointing to them making a similar run and perhaps a game deeper. That's my thought. I mean, it sounds insane because of like just conventional wisdom with a seventh round pick playing quarterback in his rookie year. Like that just doesn't compute. But then you start putting the pieces together and it's like, oh, like this is just kind of what it adds up to. The only thing I can think of as a knock is like, well, no, that's just not how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and they have Christian McCaffrey on top of it, which they do have. And so, yeah, I, I, I mean, it is. It, it's funny because you do talk about that. Like the rookie quarterback has never even been to a Super Bowl as a starter, let alone won one. And and so, yeah, history. But, you know, there's always a first there's always a first time, I guess, for everything. But, um, yeah, it, I do think Philadelphia is a really good team. I, I think as, if, if the Jalen Hurts thing isn't too bad. Um, which was super confusing yesterday, by the way. Uh, but, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, I think, I think I, I'm reminded to Chris's point when I watch Philly very much of the 2019 49ers, the, the quarterback is, is different, obviously stylistically and talent wise, but in terms of what they want to do, being super physical, run the ball, play good defense, get after you, like they're very similar. And they're actually even similar in how little, how long it took for them to get the respect that they deserved. Like how many times I've read, like, 
oh, the Eagles haven't played anybody. And I was like, well, I remember that. Everyone said that about the Niners, and they were just pasting people every week. It's like, yeah, you know, at some point when you're winning every game by three touchdowns, it might be time to just take them seriously. But uh, uh, also go playing in Philly, they're probably going to be the number one seed. I mean, barring a huge meltdown here, that is not a fun place to go in January either. So uh, that, that to me, it does feel a little bit like the 49ers are on a collision course with the Eagles. Just to clear up the Jalen Hurts thing, he's either out for the year or playing this week. <laughs> You're one of the two. <laughs> and um, everything in between also. Right, yeah, also, so... also out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and also not out a little bit. <laughs> so there are three games left. Um, the 49ers are like, I mean, they're going to host a, they're going to host a playoff game. They're going to try to play for seeding and we, uh, and obviously get to the number two seed is, is on the table. They almost would have been in the number two seed had Minnesota lost to, to Indy. Um, but I'm fascinated with how the 49ers approach these last three games because they obviously have a lot of injuries to deal with while they do need to win to improve their seating. And ultimately, you know, if you get a home game, you obviously in, in the second round, you improve your chances at getting to the Super Bowl. Um, and I understand Kyle Shanahan as a prerogative when he's speaking to the media to essentially say the same thing he would say to his team. Like we're approaching this exactly the same as we would um, any other situation. But I have to think behind the scenes when he, when him and John Lynch are having conversations they might be easing off the gas pedal on some of the guys and particularly like not rushing guys back from injury. Like I can't imagine they're going to rush Debo Samuel back sure. from injury to play in, you know, week 18 uh, if he, if he's ready. Right. So, so what's your interpretation on how the 49ers are going to handle these last three games in terms of having the ur- urgency needed to win and trying to get their guys healthy. So they're the best version of themselves for the playoffs. Yeah, I think you hit on the the primary idea, which is like if it's a if it's kind of like a borderline situation, they're not going to rush anyone back. But if the guy is healthy and capable of playing, I think they're going to play. And and one of the things that maybe kind of floats under the radar a little bit when we have this conversation is it's not just about going on the road, but I know the 49ers for a fact would very much like to avoid playing on turf again this season. Um, and they can do that by avoiding Minnesota. Uh, as of right now, they have no more turf games left on their schedule. And I think that is something that they, you know, obviously we know how they feel about turf and they would like to avoid that, particularly in the playoffs uh, and going to Minnesota where it's cold. And obviously you're in a dome, but it's still freezing cold. And then it pairing back to back trips, possibly pretty long trips. If you had to go to Minnesota and then to Philly, that's two pretty long trips in a row. So um, I, I I do think they covet the number two seed. I think they would really, they really want it. I think as we sit here right now, like I, I think Minnesota is going to lose at least one more time. I wouldn't be surprised if they lost two more times in an ideal world. Like if the 49ers could map this out exactly how they want, they would win their next two. Minnesota would lose their next two and they would have it wrapped up before right. that week 18 game. And then maybe they could, you know, your Bosa's, your Kittles, like McCaffrey, like those types of guys, you could, you could, you could dial it back with. And, and, and that would be the perfect world. Barring that though, I think they are going to pursue that two seed as heavily as they can, but without pushing guys to your point, Chris, who, who might be on that borderline. So Minnesota has the giants at home uh, this weekend and then at the Packers and at the bears. So they're losing w- at least one of those. 
Yeah, I think yeah. so too. I think so too. And the other thing is, is those are NFC games, and yeah. that that is uh, that was the one. I guess if you're looking for like the silver lining of them coming back against the Colts, I know people were annoyed, and I get it. But at least it was an AFC team, you know, where the tiebreaker comes down to that. That would give, you know, that would be like two in the pocket for the 49ers uh, if they lose any of those games. But yeah, I mean, a team that was down 33 points to the Colts at home, they can lose to anybody. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm at. The, the thing I'm interested to see is if they're still a game back of the Vikings and they hold the tiebreaker where if they wind up tied they get the two and they go into week 18 and it's like does Debo play or not because they'd kick off at the same time as the Vikings in that sense so they wouldn't have a they wouldn't have a a, any kind of knowledge going into the game that's where I'd be interested to see if they go yeah we're gonna try and push Debo back into play and gonna play Kittle and and everybody else in hopes that they win and also Minnesota loses. Yeah. Cause like in that instance, I can't imagine they would try and rush Debo back. No, I, I really, I really don't see them rushing Debo back. And I'll say this. I saw Debo in a locker room today and he, he's walking around fine. Looks like he's moving pretty good. So like, I think, you know, Kyle Shanahan, I think even alluded today that like this could have been, if theoretically, if they had to have it this week, that it would have at least been in discussion, but it wasn't because, you know, they they don't need him this week. And look, also, let's keep in mind, week 18, the Arizona Cardinals, like they're in the tank like that. That thing is is, yeah. is done and it could be it could be ugly. I mean, they could they could fire somebody now. I mean, it could happen soon. So yeah. um, I, I you know, I think that's a, that's a theoretically a game you could not play your players and still <laughs> win uh, if you needed to. Not that you would do it and roll the dice if you really needed it, but right. uh, I'm just saying it's a, if you're gonna if you're gonna choose a matchup to have that week, it would be the uh, flailing Arizona Cardinals in their current state. So it maybe it's like-, like week three of the preseason where they roll their starters out for the first half, build a lead, and then pull everybody. Yeah, just let Jordan Mason, you know, the let the oh, closer dude. close it out. Dude, let gonna, eat. I was gonna say it sounds like Nick's a real Josh Johnson believer in this yeah, scenario. But yeah, <laughs> Jacob Eason. Let's 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 get real nuts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's do it. Um Javon Kinlaw is having his practice window open this week. Uh he didn't participate in Tuesday's walkthrough. Um, what, what's your sense of the 49ers confidence level in being able to get a healthy and and potentially productive Javon Kinlaw here for the stretch run. There seems to be optimism that he, he could play as soon as this weekend. Um, And I think the way the 49ers view it right now is, is that it's house money. So anything they get from him would be a bonus. But um, even just talking to him today, he said, you know, like, I think I'm ready. Like, I think I'm going to be ready, but he also didn't practice today. Uh, They had him do like workouts on the side, even though they opened the window, he is supposed to practice tomorrow and and you know tomorrow is wednesday but it's thursday i hate doing that but it's like thursday (laughs) it's like a normal thursday in their week which is their biggest practice day so i think it'll be a good test of you know how is this going to hold up but do i think they have any idea how it's going to hold up over time like if he starts playing i don't think so um and i i think if they were being honest about it and they they would say the same thing but um if they could get him back if for no other reason than just the, the lack of bodies they have at D tackle right now 
um, it could be a nice boost for them. And I, I personally think if he does come back, they need to try to sprinkle him in a little bit, kind of like they did with Armstead, where it wasn't like, okay, you're back. Here's 50 snaps. Like, you know, get him, get him 15 to 20 and kind of get him rolling again that way and, and then see where it goes. So um, yeah, anything with him as a bonus, I, I don't, I don't know that um, I don't know what kind of impact he's going to have. I just, Still haven't even seen him play. Um, I know he's excited about it. He's eager to get back out there. Um, but yeah, that's about it. So I'm confused real quick. Uh, I'm confused a lot, but presently I'm confused and would like some clarification real quick. So Shanahan said that he was going to participate in their walkthrough, but not practice. So he is he's, he can practice, but they, they have to activate his window or have to open his window so that he can even do the walkthrough, right? Okay. Um, so they did that today. He did the walkthrough, and then he did not practice, but he was doing workouts like on the side, and then he will practice tomorrow. At least that's Got it. the plan okay. as of today. Yeah. Got it. So and Kalia that clears that also, up. also back uh, practicing. So I he I don't think he's practiced at all as a 49er. So correct. Um, yeah, he tore banking on to do anything, but uh, at least somebody who can practice and. If you get desperate and need a body, you know, might be available at some point in the next three weeks. It has Contavious Street vibes where they're like, hey, just get some practices in and start getting ready for next year. Yeah, I mean, it would be awfully tough for a guy who literally hasn't practiced as a member of the 49ers <laughs> to, uh, hey, we're going to, you know, uh, we'd like to have you ready for the NFC Championship game. We're going to start <laughs> you, buddy. Like, yeah, in Philly, you know, no big deal. Yeah, I, 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 it seems like a long shot. But again, you know, if they need the body and he can get into football shape, maybe there's a chance there. Yeah. Can I go back to Brock Purdy real quick? Because I thought of a Brock Purdy question I have. Yes. This is for both of you guys. Does Kyle Shanahan trust Brock Purdy more than he's trusted any quarterback he's had with the 49ers? (laughs) It's hard to look at like the end of half situations, particularly against Tampa and Brock Purdy's hucking it deep and not have that thought run through your mind. Right. And like, is it, you know, has Jimmy Garoppolo had those opportunities maybe to throw it deep and he just hasn't? Like, I, I think that could be true too. But I, I just think there's been just like a mind meld between Kyle Shannon and Brock Purdy in the sense that like they're on the same page with each other right now in a way that like, I don't think we saw that with Kyle Shannon and Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that Purdy is doing everything Shanahan wants and there's there's certainly a level of trust there. I don't exactly know how to compare it to Jimmy Garoppolo, but I do think it's it's pretty obvious to point out that Kyle Shanahan with Jimmy Garoppolo is pretty conservative generally. Um, so I, I don't I don't know the answer to that, but it's it's hard to look at it and and not have that thought run run across your mind. I think. Yeah. Nick. I'm I'm with Chris. I, I haven't really thought about it like relative to the other quarterbacks, but I do think there is uh innate level of trust. And I go back to, to this, like Tim Kawakami and I always talk about this, but like the idea that one of the things Kyle Shanahan always brought up whenever he talked about Brock Purdy from the moment they drafted him until like the first week of him as a starter was his experience how much he played in college. It was always, it, he didn't just bring up, it was the first thing he brought up. And, and, and I think it was like, he just likes the idea of somebody who has kind of seen and done it all. And that's not to say it's not different in the NFL. Of course it's different. It's everything in fast forward. Right. But 
just the idea that nothing is going to phase him because he's kind of been through it all. I think he had a baseline level of trust that was above, certainly above Trey Lance, um, but also above a lot of other guys where even in Jimmy's case, it's, you know, there's always that little fear in the back of your mind of what if he throws a pick here right before the half mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're lapping us or whatever, right. you know, like, and, and I, I think that's a trust that is maybe start, you start with that and he could give it away. If he, if he does those things, if he makes those types of plays and turns the ball over, uh, maybe then you get a little bit more conservative, but he hasn't done that yet. Um, and so I think that works to his advantage also in, in that situation. But I definitely think that uh, from the, from the moment he got here, you know, Brock Purdy has impressed Kyle Shanahan, the work that he put has put in and just the idea of his experience, I think has gone a long way in kind of giving him maybe a higher baseline that Kyle Shanahan is working from in terms of what he's asking him to do. I know the, the, the play they got, the play they got talked about after the game the other day was that first and 10 from their own one. Yeah. And the Niners threw from that spot. But the other one that really jumped out to me, like that one obviously was like, okay, that, that makes like, that makes sense. But the third and one play with like 242 left where they go play action boot where a they're putting it in his hands to throw it, but B being like, Hey, if it's not there, take off. Right. Like that's just not, that feels like to me with Jimmy Garoppolo under center, they're running it to McCaffrey up the middle and hoping for the best. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, this is, this is going to sound a little bit ridiculous, but like in third and one, like, a quarterback sneak is the move with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's yeah, good point. At it. As good we point. know, like it's, it's something he's really good undervalued at. skill. Yeah. It, well, it just by everyone, really the world <laughs> undervalues it. But, uh, but, but I do think that there's something to be said for it in, in this case of like, there is a different skill set. That's not that Brooke, Brock Purdy is like, Oh, this guy's a great running quarterback, but he definitely has a little bit more escapability and his feel in the pocket, I think is something that shows up a lot too, where he understands yeah. where even if if it is a blitz and he knows that it's coming, okay, that guy's going to be the free runner. I can at this moment I can step this way or I can go this way and create a little bit more space. So all of those things definitely play a part in that. Is Kyle Shanahan? This is kind of a take that has been reminate like running through my head for a while. Is Kyle Shanahan just averse to having a quarterback competition? in training camp <laughs> i don't know it's a good question i haven't really thought about that next year is going to give us the answer <laughs> i think the ultimate <laughs> probably um of course there's ways this season could play out that would eliminate that but yeah i don't know i mean what what do you like was the lance garoppolo thing like would you call that a quarterback competition last year i never considered it a competition personally they, did, they said they did it but they kind of treated it like one at times yeah it was really weird because I mean, obviously, if they thought Trey Lance was practicing at a level where, like, okay, we feel really comfortable with him starting, like, it would have gotten to that point. But it never really did. Like, the only time he took first-team reps was at the joint practices in L.A. against the Chargers. And then, even then, like... You know, from from what I heard, they they weren't all that impressed with how those reps went um, from Trey. And so, you know, it, it was like the quarterback by committee thing. We're gonna we're gonna have a two quarterback offense. Lasted like the last preseason game against the Raiders, but I don't know. Like that that's one thing. And I know 
you don't love this conversation zooming into next off season, Nick, but like, it almost feels like we're, we're headed towards a quarterback competition to some extent, unless, unless Brock Purdy just wins the Super Bowl. Right. Right. So I'm just curious, like, will Kyle Shanahan just like bite the bullet, embrace all the chaos that will come with a 49ers training camp with the real quarterback competition between Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, or maybe potentially somebody else. And whether he, like, if he's averse to that and I, cause it, it kind of feels like going into 2021, it was like by design, he was like, it's not a quarterback competition. Um, when really it probably was, he just didn't see enough from Trey Lance to really label it that way. Yeah. I think, I think you just hit it. It's like, he's, I don't know if he's averse to quarterback competitions, but he's averse to calling it that for sure. Like there's mm-hmm. no question. There's no question about that, but yeah, I mean, if you're talking about what could happen after this year, a lot of it, so much of it depends on how Brock Purdy does the rest of the season. But I still think that you're probably in a situation, unless like, like the scenario you just said, where Brock Purdy wins a Super Bowl, even takes them there and plays really well along the way, in which case you'd have to say he's at least the odds on favorite, if not just the guy. Uh, other than that, though, like I have a hard time seeing them going to next year with just those two as the quarterbacks. Like I, I would think they would want to add another veteran. It could be a big name. It could be a not as big name, but someone else who has starting experience who could be in that mix. Because if you're not fully sold on Brock Purdy um, and he there, again, there's still time for him to do that, to sell everybody. But if you're not, you can't feel super confident in Trey Lance solely because, and forgetting, forgetting like what you've seen in his small sample, just solely because of the injury stuff. Um, if you're going to, if you're going to use that as the reason to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, which they tried to do, it's just, it's gotta be the same for Trey Lance because the, the injury issues have been just as big there um, in a smaller sample. So um, that to me is, you know, who would that third quarterback be? I know that the Tom Brady name is out there. I still think that is in play and and, and, and lesser until Purdy would make that, uh, uh, you know, not really an argument, but um, I think there's a lot of different ways that it could go. So that that's kind of what I've been thinking a lot about is what does Purdy have to do to make that not the case? Like it was always it was always clear. Okay, Trey Lance is going to be on the roster next year, but then they need to bring in some somebody else that could compete for that job. What some veteran, right? Whether that's Tom Brady, but Tom Brady's not coming in to compete for a job, right? But Tom Brady or Matt Ryan or Andy Dalton, like I, I don't I don't know, but it feels to me like Brock Purdy's reached a point where or is reaching a point where he would be that second option where it's him and Trey Lance and then like Josh Johnson or whoever as the third QB and let those other two guys duke it out. First of all, I love how much you love Andy Dalton. Like you, you got a little taste of the, 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 the red rifle in that yeah. Saints game. You're like, man, he was better than that zero on the That's your guy now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, we have precedent for that, Kyle. Like Jimmy Garoppolo started five games and they gave him a big contract and made him the guy. Um, and Brock Purdy, if he plays the next three games, guess how many games he will have started? Five games. And if he takes him to the playoffs and adds to that, you're going to be able to make a strong argument that 
he's he's the guy and um i don't know that there's like oh he's got to hit these statistical benchmarks and he's got to win this many it's not right, like i right. think it's a feel thing but at some point the sample size gets big enough where you're believing him right um and and that's the thing because we're going to be doing kind of almost the opposite of what we did in 2017 where it was like well, Jimmy Garoppolo ended five wins, but they were out of the mix. Those games didn't mean anything. Only two of those teams were playoff teams, blah, 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 like all that stuff, right? In this case, it's, well, the Niners have already clinched the playoff spot. Those games didn't mean a whole lot. How can we How can we use this? So there's going to be all of those things that will be talked about, you know, all offseason into March. But um, I, I do think that there is a path for Brock Purdy to claim the job and he's already exceeded expectations not just for me but i think the 49ers would admit that too that i don't think anybody there fully expected him to do what he's done so far and if he keeps doing a a variation of what he's done so far i think it i think it i think it can happen what's crazy is like i've made the comparison between this niners team and the 2017 vikings who had case keenum and he was essentially their third string quarterback going into the season, won a couple of playoff games, had the Minnesota miracle. They went and got smacked in Philadelphia in the NFC championship game. Um, but obviously Case Keenum, as well as he played in moments that year, didn't end up being the long-term guy, right? Nick Foles wins the Philadelphia Eagles, the Super Bowl as a backup, obviously didn't be the long-term guy. So like, what's so crazy about the NFL is there's a scenario where Brock Purdy has a whatever is considered a very successful playoff run here and then just isn't the guy like it's it's so difficult to pin down which is why like I'm in agreement with Nick sort of like unless Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl and is like Super Bowl MVP and you know like it is flawless throughout the playoffs I do think adding somebody of the Tom Brady like ilk makes a lot of sense and I'm also curious like because I tend to think Jimmy Garoppolo with the way he played this year maybe priced himself out of the, of, you know, the 49ers have like 13 million in cap space before, you know, the, the draft and before bringing back any of their own free agents. Like it would be an extremely tight squeeze to fit Jimmy Garoppolo back in. I'm sure they could do it, but Jimmy Garoppolo would have to take a pay cut. Like if he prices himself out, I don't know, like which did first of all, Nick, do you think Jimmy Garoppolo priced himself out of coming back? I don't. Um, I, I disagree. Like, I, I do think there's a world in which he could get something like 25 million a year on a short-term deal. I think that's possible. I also think that like the teams that were out on him this off season were out on him for injury reasons. And then he got injured again. And, and so if you're a team that is interested in the Jimmy Garoppolo type of quarterback, and what I mean by that is as someone who you can plug in on a good team and have a chance at success with, or do you want to hit your wagon to a guy who could get hurt? Because we've seen the 49ers do it repeatedly and get burned by it. Now they're having some success right now, but again, we'll see how that plays out. So if you take those teams out of the mix, then you're looking at teams that are lower down the, the food chain where he would be a bridge quarterback, right? And to me, if you're one of those teams, it doesn't make a lot of sense to pay a big number to Jimmy Garoppolo to do that, which I think takes out another part of the pool. So do I think he could get something like $25 million a year on a short-term? Sure, I do. Um, but I think it's probably going to be a little bit similar to maybe a base salary of what he earned this year, you know, 15, 16, something like that, with incentives that could take him to that 20-ish mix. Um, maybe 
you know, consider it like the Nick Foles deal uh, to the Jaguars after he led the the, the Eagles to the Super Bowl uh, with maybe a little bit of inflation or something like that. Um, but I understand that there's a there's a you know the quarterback market. There's not a lot of big names available. There's not a lot of good names available. It's not a great draft. I get all those things. I just think that um, if you're a team, yes, it's great that at least from an injury perspective, Jimmy will be able to go through the offseason program. I know that was something that really concerned a team like Washington last year with the injury. But um, to me, I just have a hard time seeing like, oh, there's just going to be this robust market for this guy because, again, this has been such a recurring thing with him where there's been good ball mixed with injuries and some mistakes and things like that along the way. Yeah, I think I agree with you, but I I also just think like so many teams make questionable decisions every offseason, particularly when it comes to free agency. So I'm like mm-hmm. not putting it past anybody to be like, like the Jets, be like, yeah, you know, we, we, there are injury concerns, but man, if he's healthy, then $30 million would be totally worth it. Yeah. And that's fair. I just, I feel like that, like that, that team would pay more than what the, what a, you know, let's say the Texans, right? Like that team would pay more than the Texans and he would be more likely to go there, but would it still reach 30? That just seems like they wouldn't have to go that high, I guess, is, is, is the way I would frame it. Sure. Kyle, what do you think? Um, I think that Garoppolo is going to get between like 25 and 30 million because there's always a team that thinks, Hey, we're a quarterback away. And I could see the jets looking at their quarterback situation this year. Their defense is really, really good. And just being like, yeah, Hey, Jimmy has taken a team like this to the super bowl. So why not make that investment? That's, that's kind of what I like. There's no way. So there's no way they roll with Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson and, and Mike white again. I just like I know Mike White's a fun story, but I don't think he's the law like the guy. Yeah, yeah. No, that's no. fair. No, I, I I mean, there's nothing that would surprise me. I I just I I don't know. I, again, I, we're not we're not really disagreeing. I just think that uh, thirty seems like pushing it, but I could see I could see twenty five. I could see that happening. And again, that's in today's day and age for quarterbacks, that's not really not much. No, the fact real quick, just while we're on the Jets quarterback thing. Robert Sala being like, we're in an instant coffee era now and people want their quarterback to be good right away. And like, not necessarily just not as awful as Zach Wilson's been. <laughs> He's been so bad. Though. Right. Are like, we also <laughs> in an instant coffee era? Like, is it? Instant it's, coffee it's, sucks. It's, it's, Keurig, it's Keurig era, right? Yeah. Well, instant coffee is a very different that. thing. Yeah. Right. Like, no, we're not in that era anymore. And I don't even we're prefer, not. I have a Keurig that has a pot and a, uh, single cup brewer and i much prefer the pot wow oh. sick sick brag yeah, Jeez. yeah. must be wow. nice i got 47 nice. keurig. keurig's coming out of my ears this is crazy. that's one keurig with a coffee pot on it it's wow. great but i prefer the coffee pot it's just like in a pinch i'll go to the the k-cup All right. what do you want from me man keurig sponsor the pod <laughs> i love my keurig duo well, i'm sure you do yeah. Oh wow. Hey Nick, who's who's the Niners who's the Niners defensive coordinator going to be next year? Ooh. I mean, I, I would be surprised if it's not Vic Fangio or Robert Sala after he gets fired for sticking with Zach Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> or D'Amico Ryan's. Those would be my two best bets. Vic Fangio or D'Amico Ryan's, probably in that order. Really? You think Miko might just decide not to take a job again like last year? Yeah, no, I mean I just I I, I can't predict Yep. what teams are going to do and um especially because he's a defensive guy I, I you know i think that works against him a little bit so 
Um, does he deserve it? Absolutely. He'd be top of my list if I was hiring and someone should let me hire because I'm really smart. But I, I think I, I, I <laughs> and really, humble. I, but right and humble and right and modest, of course. So humble. Uh, oh but uh, but yeah, no, I, I I just you know I think it's hard with with a defensive guy these days because everybody the teams that are bad that are hiring coaches like think about it the quarterbacks you know if it's Arizona they want they invest a lot of money in Kyler Murray so unless D'Amico has a great plan for offensive coordinator like. You know, you, you you want somebody who's going to get Kyler Murray going and Houston's going to be drafting a quarterback, you know, like that, that kind of stuff that can just work, work against him. But um, that would be the reason that I think he would stay not because he's going to pass. Although I will say, I do think that in his heart of hearts, like he's not just going to leave for any old job. So, oh yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I could also see to your point though, Arizona looking at like Domenico Ryans and Ken Dorsey and being like, okay, we need Ken Dorsey. Yeah. Absolutely. Even though yeah. the, the experience level is not there. Right. You chased Sean Payton for a while just to make your fans feel like you tried. Um, and and then and when that doesn't work out, you turn to the Ken Dorsey or, or whatever. You know, that's right. That's gonna be I think that's gonna be a lot of the offseason. The coaching carousel is gonna be determined by can anyone pry Sean Payton loose, you know? It would be a coup if the 49ers I've used that word in multiple pods now. It would be wild if the Niners kept Amico Ryan's. I would be stunned. Yeah. People were stunned. They kept Robert Sala an extra year. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. But Sean maybe Payne would be on, crazy. Maybe they're already in their bonus year with D'Amico. I that's my that's my thought too. That's Sean true. Payton would be crazy not to try to angle for the Chargers job, right? Yeah, if that job's open. Justin Herbert feels like the best player in the league that just is pushed aside as like, now nah, what's he done? Right. It's like the Nikola Jokic of the NFL. Not so good team? Yes. Nick's making a face. Uh, The Nikola Jokic has gotten... Not super in on Justin Herbert. You're not super in? He's not super in. Crazy talented. Crazy talented. No question. Not not denying that. I just... I don't know. I. Yeah. You're just out on Oregon, guys. Am I? I don't know. I like Eric Armstead. (laughs) You you hate Eric Armstead because you don't like Justin Herbert. That does not track. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. You were like, you were like, get DeForest Buckner out of here. <laughs> Hate him. Diamador Lenore. We just, yeah, up and down the list. No, I like the, I like ducks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On that note, Nick likes ducks. We're gonna get out of here. Wow. Tavon Thibodeau in Santa Clara for round one. What's your favorite sock combination in the Oregon uniform repertoire, Chris? Oh god, that's a great question. Do they go with striped socks? Do they go with like does the NFL quick quick you does the NFL even allow teams to go multicolored or striped socks anymore? Yeah, the Chiefs have them, the Browns have them. Um, there are just a lot of teams with like new uniforms just go like single colored socks. You're the only person I know that gives a shit. Chris, how would you feel if the Durs <laughs> if the Durs rocked the yellow like yellow? The <laughs> The yellow, like yellow, like socks. with, with the, like the the all burgundy with the the burgundy jersey and pants, like they had the other night, but yellow sock, like the yellow socks that match the like pants. fully yellow, like not well, like, like the, half the white, half yellow. Yeah, just yellow. I I mean, much? I I just really dislike when the socks are the same color as the pants, and they just right. like it. It's just like football players in yoga pants. Like that's just not a look for me. Right, so fix that Durs look for us. Like, what should they? What would be the ideal look for the Durs? Like, so you know how the Browns have the Browns have like white 
it's like the traditional like white bottom socks with like a brown and orange like stripe yeah. going up like something like that where you where it's like yellow and red stripes with like the half white like i think that's a good look um or even like the when they went all red uh on sunday night if they would have had red socks with like yellow stripes i thought that would have been like a like a good look like the same stripes as like they that they have on the sleeves like so there's like a little bit of uniformity there and like balancing out the color you know um i don't know i just i just like I just think aesthetically like the socks in the eighties and nineties were way better. And I know, you know, like that they're cooler uniforms now I get it, but I just, I just don't understand the monotone sock thing and just going like the socks with the same color as the pants. It just, it just looks weird. And it it bothers me. It does. I'm not ashamed to admit it. You know, those like for like, I don't know if they have them anymore, but like grocery stores or whatever, when you go and there's like the little horse, they have grocery stores. No, that like they have the little horse, like the, that you put a quarter. Yeah. And the kid can ride it or whatever. Like, just, like putting a quarter in, it's the same as just mentioning socks to Chris. Just put it in and let him go. Like, <laughs> Mention socks, and, and it's he's off to the races. The 49ers, like when they had the striped socks, it was like an all-time classic look. And they have really good uniforms, but why? Like, why not go with the striped socks? I don't understand why not. Like, what's what's preventing teams from doing that? I just think it looks so much better. I like that his voice rises a little bit too. Like it's definitely the most passion he puts into any take. <laughs> I really did... just mundane and low key about everything except the here's my, here's my thing is like I don't even disagree. I just couldn't care less. Like the brown striped socks is a good look, but well, like so when the Chiefs wear their road uniforms and they rock the red pants, they avoid having the the pants is the same color as the socks, and that's why they have the little stripes. And it looks great. Okay. I couldn't tell you what their I know what their road uniforms look like. I couldn't describe the socks. Well, that's what Chris is here for. That's Chris, I mean off the top of his head. That's, that's why I'm saying, like, like I just yeah. I'll believe you. I just don't have I just take. I just like that he was like, you know, like the teams that have the socks with the stripes or whatever, and he just rattles off like four off the top of his head. Oh, the Browns away look and the Chiefs home look, and like it's just yeah, it's it's really impressive, actually. I mean, the details, the details matter in, in some cases. Yeah, you know, totally. Like we gotta they're we operate in a world where where we're separating ourselves with the details. Yeah. So big time. It's what makes us human. Totally. <laughs> Deep thought. Yeah. All right. Now let's we'll get go out to of Fisherman's here. Wharf and hit the sock store one day and you can just go <laughs> ape in there. <laughs> he did in Tahoe. Remember that remember in Tahoe? The, <laughs> the sock store? Gave it a gander. You gave it. You gave it more than a gander. A little more. Little some window shopping. Hard. Yeah, I didn't buy anything though. Yeah, they were cheaply mm. made. But I mean, made. if I played football, high quality socks. If I played football, like the the sock thing would be a real thing for me. I wouldn't. I wouldn't phone it in when it came to the sock look. I, I kind of want Chris to play football now, which it might be too late, but that's not for sure. It's definitely um, too late. Just, <laughs> so we just so we just so we could see what his sock game would be. Yeah, yeah, we'd figure it out. I definitely cut up the little Gatorade towel. And like have it cut, have it in the, the back. So I look, look, yeah, yeah. So I look fast but when I'm running around, even though I'm running a seven four forty. This this guy I work with, speaking of Brandon Ayuk's like tail thing on his jersey, we're watching just watching the game the other night, and this guy just goes, "I hate that thing." We're like, "What? Like, what are you?" He goes, "That thing on Brandon Ayuk's jersey. What is that? I wow. hate it." 
Like, oh my god, all right, sorry. It's because he looks fast when he's running, bro. That's what the cool kids are doing. I guess yeah. just just know that D, that the only thing in Chris is Duffy is just socks on socks on socks. <laughs> and he can go deep. Exclusive sock Duffy. Yeah. All right. I got the no shows yeah. on right now. Who does the slippers because it's cold? Totally. <laughs> all right. Let's get out of here. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for hanging Thanks, out. Nick. You got Appreciate it. You. Um Cooperage Brewing. Oh yeah, do that. Go to cooperagebrewing.com, order your beer. Um, it's amazing. Shout out to Cooperage. Beer makes a great Christmas gift if you haven't already. It sure does. I've just right. been doling out Candlestick Chronicles for Christmas. And people probably love it, don't they? They do. They're like, this is the best gift that I got. And I'm like, that's crazy. It's five days before Christmas. How many packages have you opened already? Nick knows. Nick knows how good it is at Cooperage. Um, all right. We will talk to you guys later in the week. We'll have a game preview for the game against the Washington Durs. And we, will, and we will talk to you guys then. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.